0: No Mickey Show. We clash momentarily for class solidarity. Cash circulating, give the masses back its currency. Greed from elites, oligarchs, stay fed. Deep state, faith fed. Everybody break bread. Racism, homophobia, sexism. Religion in this melted pot. We live in time to build a new system. Unionize labor rights. Highlight the issue. Talking heads left his best. The saga continues. continues the No Meekie Show.
1: Hello and welcome to the No Me Key Show. It is Femme Friday, November 12th. November 12th. Oh my God. We're almost into 2022. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) I say that just because it kind of sunk in that it has been almost a year since Joe Biden has gotten elected. It's been a year since we defeated Donald Trump. And yet Donald Trump still is playing an active role Albeit with less regulation, since he's not in the presidency, in building a movement, raising money, and organizing his extreme, extreme far right agenda, fascistic agenda. I think, you know, a few years ago when he was running in, say, 2015, and we said things like, there are hints of fascism, people said, oh, you're just, you have Trump derangement syndrome. You're too obsessed. This is a cable news thing. Except sometimes you can have two things that are true at the same time. Yes, he's a cable news thing. Yes, they loved making money off of him. Yes, some people did have Trump derangement syndrome, but simultaneously, the guy has built something. Whether he was conscious of it or not, he's riding the wave now, and the Republicans are riding the wave. They have planted seeds, and now these seeds are popping up in with an infrastructure that has been built and funded by the Koch brothers, the Tea Party. Other, uh, the Heritage Foundation, all of these different organizations out there, and of course, uh, the media. And so you now see far right wing candidates sprouting up all over the country. And they're spreading their message, and they're angry, and they're hateful, and they threaten to kill leftists. They're on the streets, they're proud boys, they're bugaloo boys. They're 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 gun-toting women who would love to take on AOC on the floor of the Congress. They're spreading hate online and not being held accountable. They're spreading hate on the streets, they're supporting Kyle Rittenhouse. They're calling us all rioters. They're creating race wars and culture wars. They're attacking women and they're getting away with it. And they're getting away with it because the Democrats do not exist. And where they do exist, say the presidency, the Senate, and Congress, they really stand down. So if we move two years from now, if we're sitting here on election night, which will literally be two years from now, and we look on election night and see that we lost the Senate and we lost Congress and we lost the presidency, I want you to start thinking about this right now. What does that mean? How far right, how much further right can we get? Democrats have basically surrendered democracy over to Republicans because these Republicans are getting elected and they're using every loophole possible pass through Democratic Senate or pass through, you know, Democratic Congress or not because Democrats don't wage a war on the ground and don't have parties in every state that are fully operational and funded, recruiting candidates. We are not doing everything we can and four years from now, five years from now, six years from now, we shall all look back and say, what could we have done? Well, guess what? This is the moment where we could do something. And I'm not saying that we're able to move Nancy Pelosi and awaken her or Joe Biden and awaken him. But what I can say is if you're a progressive, if you're from the working class, if you're a Starbucks employee in Buffalo or an Amazon worker in Staten Island or in California or nurse organizing in Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo's got a lot of news this week, uh, you should maybe run for office. Because one thing that is very hard for Republicans to fight against is when working class people have a union background and lean into that union background, run. And they run against people like Chris Jacobs, who's in New York 27. He's a, he's a Republican. He's an oligarch. The average income in, in, in New York 27 is around $60,000. You slice out one little part of that district, it's probably down to $35,000 a year. Chris Jacobs is not representative of that part of Buffalo. So wouldn't it be great to have a Starbucks worker run against him, talk about what they're facing in their community? I think that's how you defeat Republicans. Or if you're in Arizona, you lean into the fact that uh, you're one of the teachers who organized and was part of the Red State Rebellion. You run against some fascist twerp who was part of the insurrection. might resonate with voters. Voters love their teachers. So this is, we got to start thinking about how we creep into power and not rely on Democrats. We can shout at Democrats. We can get mad at them. We can even pressure them in unique moments. It's good to pressure Joe Manchin. It's good to pressure uh, Kirsten Sinema. But we got to pressure Chuck Schumer. He is not doing everything he can. And clearly Joe Biden isn't either. All right. We have a wonderful show today. It is Fem Friday. We'll be right back with Akela Lisi. You know what helps me when I'm traveling and I can't sleep, dealing with time zones and aches and pains because I'm not working out and I'm eating really crappy food and so my yeah you know, I'm getting old basically. That's that's bottom line is I'm getting to that age where I can't get away with doing the stuff that I used to do. Uh, when I was a traveling reporter, I did not have these aches and pains, and now I do. All those years on the ground covering movements and 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 traveling the country for Bernie and then for Tyt and covering Trump rallies. Well, it's caught up with me because it's very hard for me to sleep and it's very hard for me to sleep without aches and pains. But luckily, Sunset Lake CBD has come to the rescue. Sunset Lake CBD is is a farmer-owned company uh, that ships craft CBD products directly from their farm in Vermont to your door. And they have all types of products, products for everybody uh, to help with your stress, your aches, your pains, your sleep. There are tinctures uh, with melatonin now. So they help you go to sleep with the melatonin, as an, as an expert, and stay asleep with the CBD. as a highly concentrated dose of both of them, and it really helps you have a deep, uh, intense sleep that I monitor with my uh, sleep monitor here. So they took this farm um, that was a Ben & Jerry's farm, and they decided to d- diversify it and make it a premium hemp farm. When you support Sunset Lake CBD, you are supporting sustainable agriculture that enhances rural economies in Vermont. And on top of that, all they're a a majority employee owned. Com- uh, and that's a hard thing to say. Majority employee owned company. They pay their workers a minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour and up. And they support independent media like our show, the Nomi Key Show, the Majority Report, those guys, and David Pakman. Uh, so definitely, if you have a chance, go check out SunsetLakeCBD.com. You can get twenty percent off of your entire order. Go to SunsetLakeCBD.com you'll get 20% off of your entire order. And uh, I think there's like this thing right now where they might be offering another deal. You got to go check it out. But they've got all sorts of products from from Keef, Smalls, Flowers, lotions, tinctures, dog biscuits, dog biscuits that chill your dog out. I know my dog needs it. Uh, But go check it out, sunsetlakecbd.com and get 20% off of your order when you type in Nomi, N-O-M-I. Be right back. Welcome back to the Nomi Key Show. I'm not sure if you've been following all the politics in New York. There's been a lot of uh, developments in the last few months, to say the, list, the least. Uh, there's definitely a tectonic shift happening in New York politics uh, with Governor Cuomo having to step down and, and of course, plenty of opportunities for, um, for folks to... To rise up and 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 run for governor, attorney general, and and other seats that are potentially going to be opening up. It's also uh, this was a big year where the city council all ran in New York City, and and we of course elected a uh, new mayor. With that being said, I'm sure you saw what happened in Buffalo with India Walton. So how does that relate to our next story? Well. There's a man named Jay Jacobs who is uh, in charge of the Democratic Party in New York. The Democratic Party was a, and I say was because this is important, was essentially a utility of Governor Cuomo. Um, he appointed people. Some people tried to break through and and get elected to the uh, the committee positions. And there are a few progressives here and there, but it's been very, very hard to break through the Democratic Party in New York. So much so that Democrats, some Democrats who aren't even that progressive, just don't interact with the state Democratic Party. And part of the reason is it's, it's New York. You know, there's not really a Republican Party, and and if there is, it's it's focusing on upstate races. Um, so when I was in the Unity Reform Commission, as you guys know, uh, this this occurred, you know, in 2017 through through 18, we toured around the country, and we talked about how we uh, could fix the National Democratic Party, which is also made up of state Democratic parties. And one thing we learned really quickly was that New York State has the second to lowest voter turnout, had the second to lowest voter turnout in the country just above Mississippi, a red state. Or excuse me, Louisiana. I should know this by heart at this point. So why did New York State? Well, it turns out they had all these voter restrictive laws. When the New York State Democrats won back the Senate, I'm not saying the party, when they took on, when folks in a coalition took on the IDC, Uh, the Independent Democratic Conference that was caucusing with Republicans, which was a foil for Governor Cuomo not to have to veto progressive legislation, because it would never get through the Senate. But when the Senate was, was really truly controlled by Democrats, when progressives beat the IDC members, they were able to pass a few sets of laws to open up access, consolidate primaries, make it a more democratic state. However, there were a few things left. And despite the Democratic National Committee pressuring the state Democratic Party to issue some of these reforms, despite trying to push them through the legislature, was not able to happen. Well, there were three ballot items this last election that could have improved that. Turns out the Democratic Party, the state Democratic Party, put no money into Supporting these ballot items and they did not pass but they did focus a lot of their attention on a write-in campaign to defeat India Walton Our next guest is a Lacy friend of the show. She's a politics reporter at The Intercept and uh, inaugural she was an inaugural Adi Barkin uh, reporting fellow and she did a great story on this situation um the the ballot items and redistricting and prison gi- gerrymandering, um which is a much deeper analysis of why this kind of of, of thing happened. So welcome to the show, Akela.
2: Hi. Thanks for having me. So, Kayla, this is a civil
1: rights issue. Um, you know, it's not just that it's 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 something that Democrats didn't back. It's that at at the root of it, it's restricting voters from voting and it's enabling really uh, horrible gerrymandering that um that, that disenfranchises folks specifically people of color so can you can you tell us what you what you discovered when you started to dig in yeah so
2: um a lot of democrats were disappointed after elections um in new york because there were these ballot measures that we're talking about there there are three in particular one that would have reformed the redistricting process, another would have allowed um, same-day voter registration, and then the other would have um, ended prison gerrymandering in New York at the congressional level. There's already a state law that um, prohibits prison gerrymandering um, in state legislative redistricting. This would have codified that in the Constitution and then extended it to congressional. But people were really surprised because these are issues that poll really popularly with Democrats everywhere, not just in New York, but particularly in New York um, and in New York City, which is a heavily, heavily blue city. Um, To your point, a lot of people pointed their blame at Jay Jacobs, um, chair of the New York State Democratic Party, who seemed to have been, well, he was uh, going out, you know, on different... In, in, different outlets and, and making different comments in the weeks leading up to the race. Um, m- one of the most famous of which now was him comparing India Walton to, uh, David Duke, the leader of the Ku Klux Klan, um, in, you know, saying basically Democrats shouldn't have to, to endorse any candidate. What if it was, it was somebody like David Duke. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing there is that, <laughs> Democrats have often strong-armed candidates into backing their endorsed candidate, and so the irony is that um, you know the the undertones of what Jacobs was saying is something that a lot of progressives would agree with, but the 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 ta- content the content of what he was saying was um, pretty offensive and also kind of ridiculous because the person running against Walton was is you know was working with the Republican Party. Um, but all that to say that Jacobs was very focused on this. Later, after the elections, he told media that the party didn't spend any money promoting any of these three ballot initiatives. Um, Meanwhile, the Conservative Party and New York State Republicans spent more than $3 million opposing Mm -hmm. the initiatives, um, framing them Mm -hmm. as things that would uh, contribute to widespread voter fraud. And they had a statewide campaign where they were going around touring and talking to people about how bad these proposals would be. you can tell the impact that that had because inside new york city a lot of people did vote for it it wasn't you know it wasn't overwhelmingly no votes but a lot of people left it blank um and that is an indicator that people didn't understand what they were voting for um in other city in other boroughs um that are, you know are a little bit more conservative leaning it it did fail which is not all that surprising but i think um to your earlier point about turnout it had democrats really had, had Democrats invested any money in this whatsoever? We're not talking about like more money. They're, they said they spent zero dollars on it. I think the state party had done some other efforts to promote it, but you know, nowhere near the counter um, campaign that we saw from the Republican side. Had that been the case, then you know they would have had a chance of passing. They probably would have passed. Um, and so we're in a situation now where none of these things are going to go into effect. And you know, while Democrats at the national level are sort of debating the, um, the life, the, the life expectancy of their, the rest of their agenda items, which include, uh, voting rights reform. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions about how successful those things will be. Um, what were the margins? Just, just, uh, so folks have a sense. Yeah. So let me, let me pull them up. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a link here. Give me one second. So in New York city, um, the measure, I know, two seconds. Three, so three counties had people vote more than fifty percent in favor of this proposal. Um, in New York City, it was I think it was like forty percent to to the people who didn't pass or 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 didn't vote at all or or voted no. Um, oh, here we go, here we go. So forty eight percent, forty eight and a half percent of voters. Said no on the first proposal. 38% said yes, and 11% left the question blank. Um, Statewide, at least half of voters rejected the second two proposals. Um, But again, I think between seven, it says between 17 and 27% of people left the question blank.
1: So this is insane. So the, the Republicans, you said that they, they toured around, um, certain areas. What do they do when they tour around? Was it door to door? i I'm, and this is by the way, like, like just to put in context, Republican party is, <laughs> if the Democrats
2: are non-operational, the Republicans are even more so. Yeah. So they basically had like a bus tour. Like they went around to areas, you know, pro- like predominantly conservative areas in New York. Um, basically doing like stumping for you know against these proposals um i don't think they were necessarily going door to door but they had I-, I think some of it was door to door some of it was just like holding different events and and sort of speaking speaking engagements um but it was called the just say no tour um and it was they got they reached 40 different counties in 10 days so <laughs> um yeah i mean i think it's it, you know it's hard to say it's hard to say whether that necessarily like was extremely effective or if it was more effective just because there was no counter-programming, you know? That's interesting because it's like,
1: this is actually a great symbol. That alone is such a great symbol of the problem that we're facing today. You have a Republican Party who sometimes puts a lot of money into things and, and sometimes doesn't put that much money into things. But if the Democrats do absolutely nothing... We lose. I mean, right? Th- that's it. That's literally it. That's like the entire nation. That's why we're in this situation. You know, whether it's it's state parties uh, that that don't have money and aren't recruiting candidates, and the Koch brothers who've been able to push their narrative um, and get people into the legislatures and and you know basically attack women's rights and, and civil rights. Um, here is 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 that example. They can't do much in New York because of the Senate, but. Uh, they were able to block something. And wow. So the um, civil rights groups have have been very vocal about this and angry. Um, what do you think is going to happen now? And, and what are they saying uh, they want to happen?
2: So, um, you know, a lot of groups are still pushing, you know, at the national level for the Biden administration to, <laughs> to A, you know, pass, the bulk of its agenda that it's been trying to do since you know for the last 11 months but B, um they're also they're hoping that you know the backlash that we're seeing among some punditry and some elected officials to democratic results in you know across the board in elections not even just in new york um won't create a situation like we saw in the 2020 midterms where a bunch of moderate democrats were blaming the progressive wing of the party for Trying to respond to calls for police reform, et cetera, um, and then ended up derailing a lot of those a lot of those things, even things that had popular support in the past. So now I think people are concerned. AOC had a thread about this the other day, basically that the, the 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 backlash that we're seeing, you know, people blaming critical race theory in Virginia, um, and and saying, you know, Abigail Spanberger telling the New York Times that Biden wasn't elected to be FDR. These kinds of things will. Uh, inhibit party members who might have been sympathetic to these things before from you know really pushing as as hard as they have been to advance parts of the agenda including you know massive um changes to to voting rights legislation um things like expanding medicare extending the child tax credit all of these things um that are you know that are very popular so people are worried that um, you know, unfortunately, the the disinformation campaign from Republicans will eventually derail Democrats' agenda rather than changing the way that Democrats campaign on these things. Um, yeah, and and this is
1: coming from civil rights groups in particular. Uh
2: so I'm uh, sorry, I'm talking a little bit more about like Democrats and and progressive groups, but I think civil, I, I you know, I haven't spoken specifically to civil rights groups about um, the voting. For the the voting rights aspect of all of this but i think generally um i i think people are i, I don't know it's sort of like a you know th- they've been asking for the same things for for so long we've been in a situation where we've been told that these things are going to be on the table and then they're constantly in sort of this messaging battle re- with republicans so you know it there are there are groups that want you know uh, there are groups i think people have different um sort of strategies about how they would, how they would want Biden to respond to those things. But I think the bottom line is that they're just like, okay, so when are we, like, if it's not going to happen now, is it going to happen in a bill later down the road? You know, the administration has suggested that things that don't make it into the spending package, they'll try to do in other packages or other, um, other bills, you know, later down the line. So the question is like, how many things will get pushed, you know, off into those buckets?
1: Um, Let's go back to J- Jacobs for a second, because there have <laughs> been whispers about him being challenged or calls for him to resign on the Indy Walton uh, aspect. Not only did he, as the Democratic Party chair who was appointed by Governor Cuomo, let's remind folks, um, but he's from Long Island, and he's a party chair in Long Island, and Long Island was completely ravaged. All Democrats lost, literally all Democrats, sitting Democrats lost their seats because he's distracted. So not only does he have a problem at the state level, but he has a problem locally now, um are there is there actual movement about him resigning and like i mean the party structure is still the members are still for the most part homo people like if he resigns they're just going to replace him with another another face yeah
2: so um there are i think a local i think the Nassau Democratic County uh, chair called on Jacobs to resign, not even over the wealth and stuff about all this stuff that happened. Um, AOC was tweeting about it. Alessandro Biagi was tweeting about it. So, you know, sort of not um, anyone surprising necessarily is calling on him to resign. I don't think that he necessarily will. But again, to your point, you know, Jacobs has sort of tried to recast himself. Well, I don't know how much effort he's put into recasting himself since Cuomo left office, but these, this is, this is, this was Cuomo's number two guy. Like this is not somebody who has ever been sort of middle of the road, you know, um, uh, sympathetic to progressive causes. You know, he was right there with the IDC stuff. He's he was right there along with alongside Cuomo up until the last possible second that he could have like jumped off of the burning truck or whatever you want to call it. So, um, I, you know, I think if Democrats in New York are, I. I it's interesting because the the criticisms that we're hearing from national Democrats about what happened in the elections are not the same things that we're hearing from New York state Democrats. And so, um, which the, is always the case, by the way, like just to remind folks, the dynamics are
1: super different in terms of like how that plays out.
2: Right. And so in New York, like it's, you know, progressives could be, are, are going to continue to call and Jacobs to resign again. I don't know how how effective that will be. But we have this split screen of in other states, they're saying, you know, we're doing, we're doing too much. We're going too far left. You know, we're not supposed to be FDR. And in New York, um, the, the anger is actually that the, which, you know, it'd be interesting if this was, if this was reflected in the rest of the country, but the general, Consensus is that the party was at fault here because they didn't do enough, and that had people had all the information, then they would have been able to um, to pass all of these things and and make significant changes. Um, New York has also been one of the states that has been able to, you know, once the, once all these progressives were elected, you know, in twenty eighteen and twenty twenty, they've been able to fast track so many pieces of the progressive agenda, and so seeing something like this fall so short of what it could have been um makes it a lot easier for them to to figure out who to blame. But I I think um yeah, it's it's if we're talking about sort of like national political strategy, how how, you know, what would have what would the impact have been had these things passed in New York on 2020, on 2022 or something like that. And would that have changed the conversation that we were seeing sort of in other national um other sort of like debriefs from election day? Um, I think then the conversation would it would be a lot different. Um and probably a little bit more productive, but yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's interesting.
1: It's like the last few years, um, really since the IDC and that campaign against the IDC, folks, Trump too, folks are waking up to what the lack of progress that New York has had, despite the fact that it is overwhelmingly democratic. And really it is, as you're saying, very progressive. I mean, whether it's progressive yeah. New York City or, or progressive, you know, Buffalo, there's a lot of, you know, working class folks who are, who you look at that map of where Bernie won, and you see a, a New York and, and, and you know, compare it to districts that have been won since then that probably Bernie didn't win um, in, 20, you know, in 2016 in the primary. Uh, it's fascinating. I mean, it's really like to see people wake up to the state of affairs in New York and just how bad it's been. Um, I don't even know if it's like folks, we're moving too fast. It's like we're catching up. We're catching up with basic yeah. basic rights but there's an appetite for it although then you yeah. look at someone like eric adams who i think is playing to a national audience a little bit more than a, a new york city audience i don't
2: even know who eric adams is playing to he's playing to like <laughs> <laughs> he's a weirdo like, man that guy is like <laughs> such a such a strange bird um but the the thing to your to a point that you just made you know about democrats waking up it's interesting because you know it's like two 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 diametrically opposed things happened in New York, and people are still using them both to make these points about national the national party and what we should and shouldn't do. But with Walton, she actually carried working class, like the the poorest neighborhoods and or the the poorest wards in Buffalo, um, the majority black and brown poor wards in Buffalo went for Walton. Right, brown carried white affluent districts where a lot of conservative and Republican voters were registered. Uh, all the all these results are still unofficial, but there's been um, there's a guy who I'm I don't know his name, but his Twitter handle is Rusty Rust Belt Geo, and we follow each other, and he's great. He's been making all these fantastic. He's like a data scientist. He's been making these fantastic maps um, about the Buffalo re- results, and it's that's not you're not hearing that in the punditry about why Brown came back after he won, you know, the writing campaign where, you know, all you're hearing is that these policies alienate the working class communities that Democrats are trying to, uh, appeal to. And that's just not the case. Um, you know, in, in the, in the, in the Walton race. Um, so I think, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, it's this is just like,
1: we're, we're, we're just like repeating ourselves over and over again every cycle. Like, no, if Democrats appeal to working class people, if Democrats talked about these issues, it's not about critical race theory, it's not about wokism. It's about talk about class. And they're allergic to talking about class. And they'll distract by saying, you know, we're getting too woke, but it's about no, class is intersectional, obviously. And 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 if you want to deal with issues that have to 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 paint a picture in terms of CRT, it's like if you want to deal with these institutional issues, if you want to deal with deep-seated racism in this country not being reductionist but you actually have to also talk about class and right you know do it in conjunction with each other um fascinating kayla kayla thank you for joining us
2: you're the best thank you for having me
0: Momentarily for class solidarity, cash circulating, give the masses back its currency. Greed from elites, oligarch state fed, deep state, faith fed. Everybody break bread, racism, homophobia, sexism, religion. And it's melted by. We live in time to build a new system, unionize labor rights, highlight the issue. Talking heads left his best. The saga continues, continues
2: the no Mickey show. Uh.